Gaudete Sunday, where we light the rose-colored candle, rares the, the, the vestments, makes more sense in the context of sort of an ancient, uh, older practice of Advent, where you weren't going to office Christmas parties, you weren't, it was actually a time of preparation, spiritual preparation, but somehow it's kind of gotten, gotten hollowed out because we've gotten so busy with all the preparations for the Christmas season itself. That Christmas sort of has bled all the way back with the, the way we have since Black Friday and all the sales and everything. But in a time where you were more spiritually in the dark as you prepared for the big festival of life, in certain communities they would fast at certain times during Advent. It was closer to a Lent. This time of recognition, Gaudete, where this great and most ancient of Christian texts was read, Rejoice in the Lord always, give thanks at all times, was a ray of hope in the midst of darkness. But it's a pretty bold statement that St. Paul makes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in the Lord most of the time. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going well. Rejoice in the Lord always. Give thanks at all times. Not give thanks at most times. Not give thanks when you get a raise. Not give thanks when you've gone out to a yummy meal. Give thanks at all times. Now, Paul, in his career of preaching the gospel, was shipwrecked a couple times. He was imprisoned. He had the snot beat out of him a couple times, stoned. Rejoice in the Lord always when they're stoning you. Rejoice in the Lord always when they imprison you unjustly. Rejoice in the Lord always when you're stuck in the beltway and someone's just cut you off. Rejoice in the Lord when you just lost your job. Rejoice in the Lord when you don't make the varsity baseball team. How do you do it? How is it possible to be rejoiced in the midst of challenges, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of, of sadness? At all times, he says. Well, the reason that Paul could do this was because he had a perspective. And that was a perspective that happened on the way to Damascus. He was going up, he was going up to find, he was a faithful Pharisee, and he hated Christians. He went by the name of Saul at the time, and he was actually going to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them out and put them in jail in Jerusalem. He would have liked them all dead, and all of a sudden, he sees the risen Christ. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? He says, I'm Jesus Christ. I am the Christ. And suddenly, an encounter with the risen Christ changed everything. It gave him the perspective to realize how small this life is in relationship to eternity, to resurrection. That when Christ took on all the hatred, when he took on all the traffic, when he took on all the sadness, when he took on all the stuff that we dislike, he took on our grudges, our nastiness, our pettiness. He took on the ultimate effect of sin, death itself, and destroyed it. Called us to eternity. You see, when God made us, he... he, 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 he conceived of us at the beginning of creation and said, I love this person so much with each of our names that I want to be with them forever. 
Paul had that perspective now. So suddenly all the stuff of life was just seen only in relation to the resurrection, to eternity. So hey, suffering then becomes part of suffering with Christ. It is compassion. It is with his passion that we are now encountering. Praise God that I get to participate in his conquering of sin. I get to participate. Praise God, I rejoice in in the challenges of life. Not because they're good, they feel good, but because the measure, the measure of my joy is not pleasure. The measure of my joy is not success. The measure of my joy is hope in Jesus Christ. Hope in the resurrection. You see, the opposite of hope, I believe, is not despair. The opposite of hope is worry. Is worry. I think it's worry because we're, we're like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to happen? Or is that going to happen? Is my kid going to get into that school? Is this, am I going to get this next thing? And therein lies a challenge because we stop living in the present where God is revealing himself to us. And we start looking over the mountains or we worry about the past. We're looking in the rear of your mirror and we're missing all that Christ is revealing himself to us in the now, in the present. And so it is that we have to say, wait a second, Jesus, I trust in you because you're the risen one. You've beaten sin. You've beaten death. There's a whole bigger narrative going on in my life than whether what's my job and all the daily activities or whether or not this happens or that happens. The narrative is salvation. The narrative is heaven. And so if I have that perspective, I end up rejoicing. I end up rejoicing because I realize there's a bigger plan and I'm part of that plan. And that God loves us so much that he will and does will the best for us. So as we enter into this last week of Advent, I invite you brothers and sisters to get ready for the celebration of the nativity by preparing yourself for the end of the world. Because that's really the next step. To say, if I were to die today, if the skies were to be rolled back, Would I be ready? Would I feel disappointment or would I feel rapture at the joy of knowing that I was going to see my Savior? And if all of a sudden we prepare ourselves to do that, we find ourselves more alive in the present. If we were to be ready for the end of our days, that means we'd be living the moment most fully. We wouldn't be sweating the small stuff. We wouldn't be picking the fight. We wouldn't be turning to the person next to us and making a snarky comment. We'd be rejoicing. Rejoicing in the small things, rejoicing in the big things. Rejoicing even in the sufferings to be with our Lord. Because he says, give thanks always, at all times. Especially now. Praise be Jesus Christ.